You're listening to The Mix on Civ Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia. So welcome back to be in the mix with me and Joe Bonia, my socially distanced co-host. Oh, hey. Oh, how I miss you, my friend. It's it's funny, not funny, haha, but funny in this weird coronavirus state that we're living in right now. It's been five weeks now, but of course I haven't seen you in longer than that. So it's it's been a while because I would see you at Starbucks from time to time. Yes, and I would I keep up with your exploits on social media, but it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. And I have to confess that I am angry at Mother Nature, not for the virus thing. I mean, I'm angry about that. Let's leave that aside. But like, what's with the weather? <laughs> Every, it's always midweek where there's rain, there's been snow. And, you know, other things of all these different varieties of, of weather phenomena uh, all over the place. But it's that's sort of like that's the bane of living upstate. That, to some is, degree, that right? is. I mean, to some degree. And it is interesting the degree to which the environment has bounced back. The environment is a resilient thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a, an appropriate topic for us because we didn't have an opportunity to talk about Earth Day, which was the 22nd. And it was virtual. And the focus of this particular global Earth Day was climate change or climate action, which was appropriate. But also, it's been a month, as you noted, Mm -hmm. and degree to which the environment has responded in by being completely robust and clean. And all of a sudden, there's birds where there never were before. And I swear to you, the deer are like hanging out on my porch. Like they're practically knocking on the door. I've seen a ton of deer Uh, and places where you wouldn't see, I mean, like as you mentioned, where you live. Um, but you're just seeing like you're hearing the birds in a different way. I mean, everything. I heard they were walking on the streets of Troy. <laughs> oh, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> they were probably, you know, they're just interested in a the little. They're just they're hanging cult- out. They're in culture. They want to get takeout yeah. from pets. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, in, they're hungry. <laughs> it is. It is <laughs> right, I right. mean, from, I and then remember when the only thing that we were really worried about was Lyme disease. I mean, the thing I is know. now we have a lot of people out and about. And they're outside and that's fantastic. And they're walking the woods with their kids and their dogs and everything. And it's great. And I'm so psyched because I'm a big supporter of outdoor life. But I do want to remind people to be mindful of ticks because they're still out there. And it used to be something we were really worried about. And now I don't think we're so worried because we're worried about this virus and obsessively washing our hands. Right. Tuck your pants into your socks, folks. Right. You don't want Corona with Lyme. You don't want that. Corona Lyme. Yeah. Which... (laughs) Which sounds like a lovely drink, but in fact is not. No, not this type of drink. Not no, this. <laughs> not at all. So we're talking today, we're having a pretty sobering, but also interesting discussion with Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan, who has gotten out and about quite a bit. And uh, we talked to her about some of the events that she's been socially distancing in participating in from a from a safe distance, but also the real sort of dire situation that the city and local governments find themselves in both across the state and across the nation because of the reluctance by Congress to step up and provide stimulus 5.0 and support local governments. Uh, Mitch McConnell, who is, of course, the majority leader from um, Kentucky. Did I get that right? Republican? Am I yes. right about that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so he doesn't want to bail out states that are blue. He doesn't want to bail out states at all. But he basically told states, you know, you should just declare bankruptcy. There is no legal mechanism for that to happen, just to be clear. Right, right. But again, I mean, this is what every single city, town, village, state government, unfortunately, is facing right now. And the mayor had mentioned about the 
uh, the debt level, and of course the the debt portfolio of all these uh, different uh, towns and cities and villages. Uh, which well, is that is an angle that I did not think of, which yeah. is downright terrifying. Now, maybe you are not a student of local government and state government and national government. I mean, look, I mean, the size of the national debt now is just off the charts, but it needs to be because we need to figure out how to keep people alive. So let's not worry about that right now. However, muni bonds were a safe place to put your money, a right. lot of people thought. And muni bonds are the way that local governments basically pay for stuff. I don't know, roads, bridges, infrastructure, all sorts of things, everything, right? right? Everything. And collectively, they've got what it was the number in the trillions, the mayor said. More, more than three. Yeah. Right. So if you let them default on their payments, you touch off a cascade of financial woes, the likes of which we really cannot imagine. So Mitch McConnell perhaps did not think of that, or maybe he did and doesn't care. I do not know. But that was an angle to the problem of local governments and their financial difficulties that I had not thought of. And it sort of compounds the problems. Well, further going down the rabbit hole when we talk about these localities, of course, the vibrancy of these localities when it comes down to restaurants and events and all these different things in between. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak with Pat Noonan. Pat is the owner and proprietor of the El Loco Mexican Cafe here in Albany. And he's also chairman of the Lark Street Bid. So Pat and I spoke about, of course, uh, how sales have been going with, of course, the pause order effect. He said so far that the sales you know, for to-go and delivery have been strong so far, but it has been such a recalibration of his mm-hmm. business. And then talking about, of course, on the Lark Street Bid Corridor, uh, those retailers that cannot open and, and really examining, well, what does another month look like and how many shuttered uh, storefronts could there be? And what mm. does that look like as well? But and on the other side of it too, um, about the events, you know, so, you know, with Tulip Festival, they have a annual fundraiser, which is Champagne in the Park, which is among the best events ever to go it's to. fabulous. I love it to death. And of course it's postponed because Tulip Festival is postponed indefinitely right now with us. And so we spoke about that and, you know, really it was good to hear from him. Good to see me. He's a good friend of mine as well. Um, but just again about that recalibration and then that adaptability of mm. his business and of course what's happening on the Lark Street Bid Quarter. Mm. Well, I want to say that, you know, I think that we should endeavor in our next round, unless, you know, some fabulous newsmaking opportunity arises, because we did make news in this particular episode, which is very gratifying to me. But we need to focus on something happy, Joe. Isn't there something happy we could talk about? Maybe? There are. Well, I always ask my last question when I ask different folks like Tony Adesico last week and, of course, Pat Nunes, like, what do you want to do when this is all over? Right. Huh. And so for him, he was like, you know, for Pat, it was like, well, I just want to go to a mall. I want to see people I want to like have a drink with people and just be able to have that camaraderie. That's all people want. They just want to have that normal moment of being able just to see friends and family and without having to have this fear that we're all going through right now. You know, I stopped drinking a long time ago, but I could get down with a drink with you See? in the sunshine on the patio. I could do that. Right. I could see it. Raise, raise a cheers and we all cheers to Solancha at that point. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Well, we've got a standing date then, Joe, someday. Oh, someday goody. Over. All right. Let's get to it. 
Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan, it is really a pleasure to catch up with you in this virtual way. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I have to say, you are really busy. I've been following your exploits on social media. Just today, you participated in a parade for a 95-year-old Albany resident's birthday. I did. <laughs> Why are those kind of things? I mean, it, you know, we've been seeing a lot of them, actually. I have to confess to have been brought to tears by one of them not too terribly long ago, in which I saw... Rensselaer teachers parading with their cars and their rainbow stickers and their pom-poms. It's really touching, but it's also important, though, you know, there are so many things that we are doing and we'll get into them from a policy standpoint, but why are these kind of demonstrations of community important at this time, in your opinion? I think because we all feel so isolated and it's important to know that People are thinking about other people. I mean, yes, we're all concerned about getting food on the table and staying safe and flattening the curve and making sure that our kids are doing their homework, that we're doing the best that we can to, um, you know, make sure that first responders have masks. I mean, all these things that we're worried and focused about. And I think when we do these outward safe, you know, in our cars, doing our homeworks and remembering somebody's birthday, I think it, it helps to give us that sense that there are people out there that care, that there are people still having birthdays. And, you know, uh, we've, we've done a couple of virtual weddings after the governor allowed uh, the marriage licenses to happen virtually to, to see that those types of things are still happening. Does it worry you, though, that we're going to get too used to it, that we'll get too used to this because even though the governor today uh, sort of laid out in more detail, every day becomes a little bit more in terms of how we're going to move forward in a regional reopening. And we can we can talk about how that will impact the city. But it's going to be a while before we get back to, if we ever get back to, complete normalcy. And, and maybe people get used to being so far away from one another. And that actually scares me. I, you know, I will say it, that's not a big concern that I have because I think we are just so, uh, you know, we're just engineered for interaction and people crave it. I mean, one of the things that um, that I have to guard against is that when I am walking outside, which doesn't happen very often, and people now I have my mask on, but people will still say, oh, it's the mayor, it's the mayor. Um, you know, to resist what people naturally want to do, which is to give a hug, shake hands. Um, and so I still think that that's our default and that we are being very smart about not engaging in that activity. And I'm actually impressed at how rapidly people seem to just kind of adjust to that. But I think we're going to be craving getting back to it and and being able to have some sense of community. I just think we're all going to be really nervous about what that looks like and how we can do that safely. And so that nervousness around it is going to, I think, be with us for a while. So to that end, are you, what steps are you taking in concert with the state and public health officials to figure out how this phased in reentry is going to look? Well, you know, it's really being led in New York State at the state level. The governor has made it very clear that localities aren't making these decisions. He's making these decisions. And now that he's looking at a more regional phased in approach, I think 
Uh, there is going to be, and there has been more input from leaders at the local level, both governmental and business and educational leaders. And I think for me, I look at it not so much as essential and non-essential, right? I think we've been focused on this idea of, you know, is that essential work? Is that something we need to be doing right now that we're in pause? But I think as we unpause, I think we have to start thinking, and the governor sort of talked about this a little bit today, about you know, I look at it as like red, yellow, green, right? Like there are some activities that we can engage in in, and have social distancing and not worry so much that we're spreading um, the virus. And then there are other activities that we can engage in if we have certain precautions in place, right? So how would you imagine a classroom, right, with social distancing? How do you imagine a construction site, uh, where you're still engaging in construction, but you're doing it in a, in a much more mindful way uh, around the spread of the virus. And then there are some activities that are just so inherently uh, open to transmitting this uh, virus, and there's really no way to protect against it. You know, if you're at a concert, you know, with a bunch of people all around you right. um, or at a sporting event. So I think that we have to start thinking of it that way because you know, it's essential for everyone to get back to work, (laughs) you know, whether, whether, whether we think what that person is doing is essential or not. um, You know, it's important that we're able to start to reopen and start uh, allowing people the opportunity to earn their livelihood. The numbers are just staggering. I mean, I don't know how much people have been paying attention over the weekend and I, I hate being the bearer of bad news, but the governor did have a report came out that a, a, outside consultant conducted that indicated that the hit to the state was somewhere in the, in the 230 some odd billion dollar range and that it would take three full years for the economy to come back. The way that the economy came back was not necessarily outlined, but those numbers are just staggering. It is. And we're looking at what we need to do to make sure that we don't run out of cash. I have a cash flow analysis that is done by our treasurer's office that shows us running out of money at the end of June. Mm-hmm. So that means no money to pay firefighters, no money to pay our police officers. And so we need to be figuring out what it is that we're going to do to prevent that from happening. And we were really hopeful that we would have a direct aid package Uh, that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi had agreed on that was a good formula. It was a great start. Uh, It allowed municipalities to use that money to replace lost revenue. And I think it would have given us the certainty that we need to be able to focus on reopening the economy. And instead of doing that, this coming week, I'm going to be focusing on what we have to do to be able to keep our lights on. And so that's a frustration because while it seems like a big number, there's a way to do this recovery that allows that to be a lot less painful and get us focused on forward thinking investments that we need to be making in order to reopen our governments, reopen our economies, help small businesses, help impacted communities. I want to be talking about never, ever, ever allowing something like this to happen again, where we have entire parts of our community that are cut off from distance learning because Mm -hmm. they don't have broadband access. I want to be talking about how we have a summer. You know, we, we could come up with a plan that would allow us to have a summer here in Albany. I think it looks like 
small recreation programs, no more than 10 kids, two adults, distancing. But there are safe ways that we can start to um, imagine what the summer would look like, particularly for kids in our lower income neighborhoods where we need to ensure that we're providing for uh, not only their recreation, but their education, their health, their well-being. And so I want to be focused on those things. And because we didn't get uh, a package out of Washington, um, we're going to be focusing on what we need to do to be able to continue to pay our firefighters or police officers um, and, and keep the lights on. Well, how do you do that? I mean, just also, again, from the state level, the budget director, Robert Mejica, said there's going to be a cut. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 billion, I think, if I've got it right. And it's coming down on you and school yep. and nonprofits and everybody. And it's just a drop in the bucket. And so, you know, I guess you could engage in some creative budgeting. You know, you push some things off and you pay this bill because it's come due and and certainly also there's an issue that taxes were delayed because of this, right? The collection of taxes. But at some point in June, I believe that's going to be coming down the pike. Right. And, and you know, that's um, it, it is very concerning. And, you know, for Mitch McConnell to say, let, let them go bankrupt. Not legal. Uh, you know, Not legal. <laughs> by the way, well, <laughs> you know, but it, it but you can default on your bond payments. Yes. And and that's yeah. really where, you know, th- right now, uh, at the, as of the end of 2019, there were three trillion, eighty five million dollars worth of state and local debt out there. That state and local debt is held by big banks, by mm. investment firms um, and, you know, by um, investors. Right. Who invested in what they thought were safe municipal bonds. Right. So, you know, you. Y- you talk about triggering a $3 trillion cataclysm uh, for lack of agreeing on a package that was in the hundreds of billions, which is still a lot of money, but it's a lot less than $3 trillion. Yeah. Uh, dollars. So I, I think that there needs to be um, some, uh, and, and I will tell you, I, I'm, I'm on calls with mayors across the country. This is an issue that exists all across the country. We're all talking about the same thing during our uh, latest, we, we have a weekly call, um, and we have our little chat function there on, uh, on zoom. And so, uh, people were chatting how many people were getting laid off in their cities, what their furloughs were looking like, what their budgets were looking like. And from Oregon to Ohio, to Albany, to, uh, you know, every corner of this country, we're grappling with the same thing. And we're lobbying really hard democratic mayors and Republican mayors to say, please don't let this happen. We Mm. need to get a solution and, and we can then focus on turning our economy back on. But if, if local leaders are focused on uh, how they keep the lights on, then, then we're not thinking about how we can help small businesses, how we can help community-based organizations, how we can make sure that our kids are safe this summer. That's a big zoom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> about 600 people yeah it's, it's, it's a lot, I, mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I can't even yeah. like I can't even imagine it did you have you made a decision and forgive me for not knowing the answer to this have you made a decision about pools like Lincoln Park for example I mean do we know our parks in the summer do we know yet I know the Tulip Fest I know about that one but I know in New York City they've said no pools but what about upstate so you know I have my hopes right but 
it, it really almost doesn't matter what I want. We're going to have to look at what the science tells us. And so right now, obviously, our pools can't be open under pause. Uh, my goal is to be able to have a safe summer. And so we're focusing and, and hoping to focus on what that looks like. If from a budgetary standpoint, I can't have a summer because I can't pay lifeguards, uh, that would really be a shame, right? If it was otherwise safe to open recreation facilities at some point in the summer, and we couldn't do that because we don't have the money to do it, uh, that would really be, um, you know, I, I think a travesty. So it is all kind of interlinked. You know, will will the, you know, does the science tell us that it's safe to open? And then do we have the funding to be able to do that? So that's how we're looking at it. Um, you know, I would love for the schools to be able to reopen for even if it was just, a, you know, a week or two, because our kids left school thinking they were coming back. Our teachers left thinking they were coming back. They thought they were this was going to be a two week closure. And and, you know, then obviously the severity of this crisis became very clear over a very short period of time. Mm. But, you know, to be able to have that closure to be able to see their teachers and their friends, you know, that's, that would be my aspiration, but obviously it is going to depend on whether or not um, the number of cases is continuing to, to slow down, um, whether things can be done safely, how, what does that look like and, and how would that happen? There's so many permutations too. I mean, you could have a school with rotating classes, you know, kids A yep. come in on one day, kids B come in on another day. You could have summer school. You could have kids getting their temperatures taken at the door. You could, I mean, there are just so many. You speak about also these sort of large scale events and how do we get back to them if we ever get back to them. I mean, the governor directed folks, I think, to think creatively. And I've read any number of articles that indicate that they are, in fact, thinking creatively. Uh, and yet there's a question about fiscal feasibility. In other words, you know, if you're a restaurant, can you even bother operating if you can only operate at 25% capacity? Probably not. Exactly. Exactly. And I think those are the things though, that we really want to be focusing on. We have, um, a, a working group that is working on, recovery and making sure that we're getting information out to our small businesses, that we are looking at some of the funding. We did get some uh, funding through CDBG mm. that we're right now in the comment period um, to determine, you know, how we're going to invest that money in, in focusing on both our not-for-profits and there is funding there for some of our local businesses. So we're getting that input now, but that's a drop in the bucket. It's not going to be enough. And I think for our schools to be able to do the creative things that I think they're capable of doing and, you know, recognizing the need that's out there, uh, it would just be a travesty if the reason that we couldn't do that um, is because, you know, as it trickles down, right, the, the, the state has to cut the aid, so the aid's not there, so the district yeah. can't afford to do it. You've held out a long time on furloughs, longer than a lot of people have. We have. I mean, in part, I think I just didn't believe that we would not get the assistance because of how critical local government is to any recovery. It's, it's almost unimaginable to me that um, 
this has taken on and been politicized the way that it is, because again, I've been on calls from the very beginning of this with mayors from across the country. I mean, the, 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 current president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors is a Republican mayor from Michigan. Um, There has been unanimity around what it is that we need in order to be able to get the economy turned back on and to be able to continue to function. And uh, it, it just seemed like it was uh, you know, we were, I guess, in our nonpartisan mayor bubble. Um, mm-hmm. And now, but now we're awake and, and uh, you know, um, we're, we're fighting to to get a, a COVID, whatever number we're on, 3.5, whatever. Five. <laughs> 3.75. Five. The last one was <laughs> okay. four. This one's five. Okay. If you're following along at home, I, I mean, and and McConnell, you know, not to get too political because we we don't get terribly political here, but McConnell's been alienated by a lot of Republicans, as you noted, and people who were just sort of flummoxed by his call for. I mean, it's as almost as if, oh, if you're a Democrat dominated state, which is which, by the way, have borne the brunt of the covid pandemic illness number. Um, it's somehow your fault because you're full of Democrats. And so therefore you don't have the right to be bailed out. I mean, that's just, I don't think anybody, anybody really felt like that was a realistic line of reasoning. Well, and I don't think that that's the reality on the ground, right? As I said, you know, the, the president of the, of the U S conference is a Republican mayor who, um, for his community desperately needs, to ensure that we are able to replace this lost income, right? The right. loss in sales tax, the loss, you know, all of the, the things and the challenges that we're seeing. And so I think it is a nonpartisan issue. I don't think it's political at all. It's a question of, um, you know, most, most of what really impacts people's lives happen at the local level, right? It's your, um, your schools, your police, your firefighters, your, um, you know, your garbage getting picked up, um, you know, the, the community pool, the community parks. And so I, am hopeful that, uh, it won't come to draconian efforts. I, I really am concerned if that's what ends up happening, because I think it is really so short-sighted mm-hmm. when we think about what we need to be geared up to do, um, to be able to help our communities as we come out of this as we hope we all are going to be coming out of it. Well, I'm going to leave it on that semi-hopeful note because we're out of time. (laughs) But I also feel like people need a little hope these days. Um, And, you know, as a PSA, we should encourage folks not to... um, not to abuse bleach. I think that's a positive thing for us to say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, most people are doing the right thing and, and most people understand this and it's hard for all of us. I mean, it's just hard. Yesterday I was supposed to march in two different opening day parades for little league. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's hard. Um, these are things that I look forward to and that we all look forward to and that we enjoy, but I do hope that people have sort of this sense of civic pride in that they are literally saving lives. I have friends who are nurses and doctors in hospitals and people with this illness are so, so, so sick. And it's really sad to have to hold up an iPhone to somebody because their family can't come and visit them and they're really, really sick. And so I hope people have a sense of civic pride in doing what we need to do in order to flatten the curve and, and start to reopen our economy. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mayor, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Are you looking to reach a diverse audience? Advertise with CivMix today. Visit CivMix.com to learn more. Are you ready to rise and shine? Read up on the latest news and happenings taking place in your community each weekday morning on CivMix.com. Sign up to receive Rise and Shine in your inbox. CivMix, it's where it's at. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on CivMix.com. Patrick Noonan is the owner and proprietor of the El Loco Mexican Cafe here in Albany, and he's also the chairman of the Lark Street Business Improvement District. Patrick, welcome to the mix. Thanks for having me. So why don't we just get right into it? Tell tell us about your experience as a restaurant owner going through, of course, this you know, uncertain time of the coronavirus. Yeah, I think perfect example is you know, my father been in the business almost 40 years and I called him for advice when this was first happening and it basically said good luck, hmm. you know, because there is no precedent for this. Um, so I think in the first couple of days, it was very difficult for me to figure out which direction we were going to go in. Um, the biggest thing being, uh, being able to sell alcohol was a game changer. Um, so uh, once we knew that and had the facts, um, you know, my, my team over there was great. Um, in wanting to stay on board and, and keep pushing forward. Um, as we've gone along, um, you know, the, the ownership part is really where, you know, they don't teach you this stuff in, in college and, and uh, you only learn by doing. But, you know, we've relied on our partners at, at the bank and, you know, in the um, small business groups that we're a part of. And really, everyone's figured this out together, which I guess makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, the, the PPP, uh, we applied, um, and, uh, BSNB, Boston Spa National Bank has been amazing. Uh, now have, you got, now have you gotten the PPP money yet? I just found out this week okay. that we got it. Okay. So, um, that's something that, you know, will help me sleep at night, help everyone get paid. Um, you know, allows us to keep our doors open. Um, so, you know, shameless plug and huge shout out to them. But, you know, again, I, had they not helped me, I don't know where, you know, you, you start to look or you start to even look. So I understand why a lot of these places are um, owners are frustrated. Um, but there's a lot of resources out there. And, and, you know, I understand everyone's decision to stay closed. I also understand people's decision to be open. It, everyone's case was different. But, you know, right now is, is people are staying afloat. Four months from now, six right. months from now, eight months from now, that I think is that's where my concern is. I think that's a lot of people's concern is, you know, most of us in this business are stubborn. We'll work toward blue in the face, but at what point is this going to make sense? <laughs> Explain or describe a little bit about those first few days. So, of course, the uh, response from the state government, of course, with Governor Cuomo, where we were starting to close the valve. And then it got to the point where at first, it was a capacity reduction, and that was right before St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, and then that following Monday was like we're going to shut down pretty much in uh, restaurant service and in bar service. So explain, you know, your reaction, your feelings during that time, or at least what was going on. Of course, and of course, uh, what did you do as a restaurant owner to, of course, prepare as best you could uh, for that? Yeah, this is. True, true definition of peaks and valleys yeah. during that time. I remember that Friday, I think it was like the, the 13th. Or, yep. 
um, you know, it was Friday the 13th yeah, and all this was going on. I think there was a full moon. All the and we were busier than ever on that Friday and, and Saturday. And then I remember that Sunday and Monday, Tuesday was like, oh, crap. Yeah, we we are facing some really really you know uh, tough decisions right now, um, so it went from you know oh we're gonna be fine to oh crap to once they allowed to sell alcohol, okay we we can at least justify it, um, and then ever since then it's been honestly flying by the seat of our pants and I give my staff a lot of credit we've had to literally change our business model overnight um, coincidentally a week, 10 days before all this happened, we got a new point of sale system that allowed us to do online ordering and delivery and payment that we weren't planning on even rolling out until probably end of the year. So we had to quickly get up to speed on that system, figure out how we're going to coordinate all this delivery. Most of my staff lives locally, don't own cars, don't mm -hmm. have cars. How are we going to get these orders out? You know, where we, we're a small place. Where are we going to keep all these takeout containers? You know, do we need to charge extra? Because of all this, you know, uh, which we we haven't changed that, but packaging margaritas, you're doing your glasses versus your pitchers. Um, the new point of sale system, people are able to go on our website and but it basically manipulate the system. We've had to kind of roll back the right. control to. So all these unforeseen things that you, you know, you can think you're ready, um, but People are walking in the door. They want to place a takeout order. The phone's ringing. There's Grubhub. There's the online orders that print right to the kitchen so we don't see them. All this coordination, all the logistics have been the hardest part, and we're figuring it out. Every day is different, uh, and that's been part of that anxiety, you know, kind of closing this, this segment um, up with there is so much unknown right now. And I think that's what's driving a lot of people's right. anxiety. So it, it's, you know, we're going to be there. We're going to keep doing it. Um, but again, long-term, how, for how long is this going to be worthwhile? So, so two things I want to touch upon right there. So how have sales for takeout been so far in delivery? It, it's been great. We've been very consistent. Um, we have been closing Sundays just to kind of limit our exposure to and customer and staff exposure and, and do our part. Um, and it's, so those days that we're there, the customers have been awesome. The demand is there, which, you know, we're lucky. We've been around 36 years. Um, and and we're very fortunate to have people who, you know, have the disposable income and, and can help us out. And, and you know, the tipping has been <laughs> amazing. And, and um, it's, it's something that, on a positive side, I've seen a lot of new ways that we can do business. At El Loco, and, and and same thing with Ben and Jerry's. You know, unfortunately, I had to close Debbie's, but it's still, you know, um, it got it gets the wheels turning with you know, and same thing with you know, your office and, and other offices that have everyone's forced to work from home right. now. You know, we've gotten we've gotten a little more creative with what we're doing. So there's a there's a positive side, um, and and the sales are there. It's just a tough because I've got a little less than half my staff, right? And and it's a so it's a lot on me. It's a lot on the the, the people answering the phones and and drivers. But we're we're getting through it. Have the allowances to have to go cocktails helped? Oh, it's amazing. I, I'm. It's I'll something you clearly want to keep. I'll be the first one at the at the doors you know, <laughs> to the day that they have a hearing on this. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, will it stick around forever? I don't know. Um, but I also, you know, and this is not a good barometer, but you know. It probably hasn't been a whole lot of DWIs in the last six weeks, you know, and, and again, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but 
it's, you know, one of the examples I brought up was, hey, look, you know, if you're out with a group of people and instead of having that extra one that puts you over the edge at, at, at El Loco, you can take it home and go finish the party at, right. at your house right. or apartment. So, you know, it, you could definitely make the case that this is a safer alternative um, and that it's it'll be great to be able to have both if and when we do get back to quote unquote normal. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's a smart, it's a smart thing. And I think for us to be able to know that, you know, in three days time, I think they figured all that out. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, so if there's a, if I have to pay more for my license every year or, or, you know, I think most places would certainly do it, you know, depending on who you are. Right. And I think it's one of those things where, especially here in New York state, there's so many of these, prohibition era laws, especially for alcohol and things that you look at other states and it's like, it's a no brainer, you know, uh, and not even like looking at like Las Vegas, but even in California and other places like that, where you can pretty much have a drink to go as so long as it's in a container and the response and everybody acts responsibly in that manner. Right. And so the other part of it too, and this is where the unfortunate part is that you, and as we unpause uh, the economy right now is how many bad actors could ruin this? And that's always been my fear. And I talked to my clients about that as well. And that basically it only takes one person to screw up the whole bunch. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and you're seeing the same thing now with, with the States, you know, that want to reopen It's like, you know, this whole time I've thought about being in elementary school was, you know, the teacher yells at and there's that one kid who just doesn't get yeah. it, you know, and, and <laughs> right. you're like, you know, man, just shut up, you know. That's and all just, you got to do. Right. Just yeah. So common that, sense. Right. To that effect, you know, I'm with you. It'll be on a tight leash if they do do it, you know, but I think human behavior, knowing, you know, this new reality check that we've kind of all been given is to say, hey, look you know, you don't need to go out and get trashed, you know? Yeah. Uber is great. But imagine hopping in an Uber and you've got two margaritas in your hand right. and you can go finish at home and, and you're, you're golden, you know, and, and everyone wins, you know, Uber, Uber wins, the restaurant wins, you know, the customer wins, uh, everyone's pocketbooks win. So I think there's a, you know, it sounds naive, but it's like, look how much we figured out right. in like two weeks, <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's to me is, Hey, look, to your point, a lot of this stuff was old school. Yeah. And I th I'd like to think that, hey, we evolved as a society, as a culture because of this, and we've gotten smarter, and, and you're going to see new opportunities pop up. So, you know, I'm of the same ilk. If we can, you know, if nine out of 10 customers are behaving, that's still pretty good odds when it comes to alcohol responsibility. I'm, I'm all for it. So, switching gears. So, in your role as chair of the Lark Street bid, of, of course, um, and we touched upon it a little bit about St. Patrick's Day weekend is that here in the city of Albany, there's, you know, we, we were able, we lost the parade mm -hmm. uh, for good reason. Uh, Tulip Festival was canceled. And, you know, with the bid, you host the, the annual Champagne the Park fundraiser. I assume that's been canceled, right? Post postponed. postponed, postponed. There, that's, that's the, the key difference there, folks. Um, but of course, you know, as we get into the summer, like a lot of these restrictions will probably still be in place. So, um, so it's a twofold question. One, uh, what is the bid doing? You know, of course, you know, the other events coming up, Lark Fest in September and things of that nature, you know, what's the plan there? And on the flip side, uh, for those retailers along the corridor, you know, what are you hearing from them? Yeah. That's, uh, first part first, we, we are in great contact with the, the mayor's office and the city departments and, 
were following their their guidelines and you know in terms of permitting and and things like that. Um, as of right now, yeah, Champagne the Park is on hold. Um, we are looking into Art on Lark. Um, unfortunately, because of time wise, it probably will be postponed as well. Um, we're also looking into the idea of um, combining Art on Lark and Lark Fest this year. Um, but we're certainly looking at again Lark Fest being a mass gathering. Yeah. <laughs> the definition yeah. of the of the uh, of mass gathering. So. Uh, Jevin and Shauna, Jevin especially, has been doing a great job of, of keeping people in the loop of, hey, look, you know, we, if you've already paid us, we'll refund you if we cancel or we'll just parlay it um, into another event. We're in close contact with the farmer's market people. We're still trying to do as much as we can in 2020. Um, there may be 10 events between right, <laughs> September right. 1st and December, you mm -hmm. know, uh, middle of December, whenever Santa Speedo will be. So, you know, it still could be a, um, in terms of the bid being a nonprofit, um, you know, we, we still are trying to shoot uh, for our goals financially. Um, and if that means one less event, then, then hey, people understand. But, yeah, we're still going to keep going uh, with the bid events as soon as we get the green light. So, um, you know, keep, keep posted to the website for that, uh, the bid website. Uh, the second part of that is, you know, uh, and to be quite, quite honest, the, the owners uh, on this street are struggling, um, mostly because of the unknown of, when we're going to reopen or back to normal. Um, even when that happens, I think there's a lot of concern that the spending power is not going to be there. Um, and then staff wise, people being on unemployment until August 1st, you know, or, or July 31st, that 600, I think comes off and they still get, you know, some form right. of unemployment. Right. So it could be a very lonely summer in terms of staffing. Um, that's the number one concern. A lot of the owners, um, the ones who have closed, there's a probably a 50% shot that they're not coming back um, or they'll switch to online or, or, you know, because again, most landlords aren't flexible. You know, landlords aren't getting any relief. Um, so they're not giving relief. Um, I, if this were a six week thing that most people knew, okay, right. hold it down for six weeks. It will be okay. I got some reserves, but the more that this goes into uh, through the summer and the fall, you talk about customer behavior, as soon as everyone can get out of town for the summer, right? <laughs> they're gone, you know, and, and they're, they're not going to be on Lark street. They're not gonna be on Delaware. They're not going to be in the malls. They're going to be, they're going to be gone. Um, and it's just going to be very interesting to see the behavior moving forward. Cause I don't know that a lot of places are set up for it, you know, name retail right. bars and restaurants. It's just going to be a very patient process. And I don't know that most business owners are <laughs> going to be that patient because, you know, you need to have that money to float that patient period. So it's, it could be, could be ugly, but I know Lark Street's resilient and, and we'll continue to fight and, and we encourage people to continue to smart, support small businesses the way they have done these last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, the reality is it could get, it could get ugly. So. We'll close with a, I guess, a more optimistic yeah. <laughs> note instead of the doom and gloom, which we all are dealing well, with. Well, if right I got now. here and said, you know, hey, everything's perfect. Yeah, you know, and we're all, everything's we're all you still know, making a ton of money. Sunshine, right? Right. right. Um, so when this is all over, well, at least in, in this form, what's something that you're looking forward to doing besides yeah. Dodger games? Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you don't know what to do to watch a Dodger game. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I just, well, yeah. I'll, I'll real quick, I mean, yeah. I, you know, Rich Fazio and I, Rich is my business yeah. partner here at Relentless. We have season tickets for the Rams, right? Right. 
So we're paying into this black hole. It's a great investment. Yeah, right, right. into a black <laughs> hole right now because right. I mean, basically, who knows if there'll be football this this right. fall? So yeah, no, it, it's. I mean, personally, yeah, I just. I mean. I kind of like I. It's, I kind of want to go to the mall and like see yeah, people. Or yeah. Like you know, basically, I just want to go to a bar and I want to be around like a hundred people. As weird as that sounds, like you miss that. You know, I've been in this business my whole life. You, part of what I miss right now is seeing El Oco packed. You know, on a Friday night, and and the energy and and seeing my staff happy and and making money. That's that's the the human being in me. I mean, business wise, I think I've stumbled upon a lot of great ideas with with this new computer system and with takeout and delivery. And when we get back to normal, I'm not set up to do all three of those things. So I'm going to need more space or uh, to continue this. I can't just stop doing takeout and delivery. I think it's going to be an evolving process. So that's what's exciting to me is seeing opportunities for like maybe a retail space where we do pick up or just a pickup only location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our loyalty program that we've seen. So I, I've, what I've seen with customer behavior has sparked some of my new interests of, Hey, look, we've got a great product um, and great staff and we're able to lead them in the right direction of how to order and pay seamlessly. I think we're beyond to something. And that's, that's what's keeping me going is that, that optimism. Um, and yeah, personally just being able to go, go do something, you know, yeah. and just know, cause right now I go home, I sleep, I work. That's pretty much it. And that's what everyone's doing. Yeah. And it's like, we're not, you know, human beings weren't wired to, to be that way. Um, but it's been a good, you know, I don't want to say break cause people are, are yeah. suffering because of this, but it's, it's been a good reset, you know, for, for people, um, you know, for the priorities and, and things like that. So yeah, I think same thing with Lark street. I think hopefully people are, even though they're struggling right now with business owners are looking to say, Hey, you know what? I've never really done that much online focus. Maybe I'll switch. I'll keep my storefront as exposure, but I'm going to, I'm going to switch to do more online because I've got the time to catalog my inventory right, right now. Or, you know, uh, uh, somebody like August who's gotten creative with with delivering and and you know, same thing. Savoy is, is you know, those guys have been amazing. Jason and Dan with with Feed Albany and you and and you know, so I think a lot of good will come out of this. It's going to take time. I think we should prioritize and remember all the good that came out of this because that I think will be, you know, how we evolve out of this. It's not going to be. Oh, hey, remember that time we hit pause for right, two months right, and, and right. then we didn't learn anything? You know, I think this is more, you know, I'd like to see a local evolve, evolve or die. And, and I think that's where a lot of places are right now. So, Patrick Noonan is the owner of El Loco on Madison Avenue here in Albany, and he's the chairman of the Lark Street Bid. Thanks again for being on the mix. Okay, appreciate it. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com.